There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Happy Monday and welcome to another season of I Could Never Be Here on the Popcorn Talk. Season 5. It's incredible. I was looking the other day at the number of guests that we've had in and the number of stories that we've told and just the amount of inspiration, which is incredibly just uplifting. And that's all that this show is about. We want to be able to inspire you, be able to give you that encouragement on your walk, whether it's professional or whether it's personal, just by sharing the stories of the people that you see on TV, the people that you maybe go to their concert, the people that you see in a magazine, wherever. And you think to yourself, man, I could never be this person because maybe they knew someone or maybe they had money, but that little voice in the back of your head is lying to you and you can accomplish those things. And we share the stories of people who have done just that. And today is no different. Such an incredible guest coming in and we're able to talk to him. But first, I always begin each show with some advice for a better life. And today's advice for a better life is that rushing through the present will leave you in a future that you are not prepared for. Oftentimes, when we're in a situation in life where we're maybe not not happy or maybe we want things to be able to go faster and we're like, man, how can I get out of this? How can I just get rid of everything that's going on and be able to get to that next stage in life? But the issue is that if you get to that next stage too quickly and don't learn from the situation you're in, you're not prepared. So be able to just take your time, be able to embrace today, embrace the surroundings, because there's a reason that you're in the situation, and that will prepare you for the future that you will be in. Again, today's guest, I'm so excited to talk with him. He is a very funny actor. He has starred in Deadpool, Office Christmas Party, Ghostbusters, is currently starring in TBS's Miracle Workers, which is a hilarious show. But he actually grew up half a world away here from Los Angeles. Such an incredible story. It's amazing what he's accomplished. Please welcome Karin Sony. Karin, hey. thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was so nice of you. Thank well, you. of course. It, I, again, we were talking before the show, and it's just I'm I admire so much of what you did, especially. I mean, you you've you taken a lot of risks. Yeah. In your life, <laughs> and you know, some have paid off. A lot of that people know of it paid off, but I'm sure there's ones that that haven't too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know it's really weird to do any of this stuff because you have to you're forced back to reflect on things, and yeah, it's wild. <laughs> well, well, let's let's first reflect on Miracle Workers. Yeah. Because this is the show you're in right now. It's mm-hmm. Tuesday nights on TBS. Yeah. Uh, ne- tomorrow night, if you're watching this live, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, uh, is episode four. In this show, I love this show. Thank you. I was watching. It and it's just it's such an interesting dynamic from like what you expect so for people who don't know Miracle Workers Steve Buscemi plays God mm-hmm. and he's like well I think I'm just going to destroy Earth yeah <laughs> and the angels are like wait wait wait, wait. Yeah. Let's, let's put a pause on that and yeah. he said I'll give you two weeks yeah. to be able to yeah. you know accomplish an impossible task yeah. and if you do that then I'll save Earth. And yeah, you're God's yeah, yeah. assistant in that. Yeah, I play the archangel or in this world, God's right-hand man. Uh, the creator of the show, Simon Rich, I was a big fan of his. He uh, wrote on SNL for many, many years and created the show Man Seeking Woman and has published all these amazing books. And 
And his version of heaven or the afterlife or whatever you want to call it was basically a corporation that was badly run <laughs> because in his mind, there's so many like sad things that happen to us randomly on yeah. earth where you one day find out you have cancer or something. And it just all kind of seems like overwhelming, mm-hmm. like the randomness of being a human like, being. Did this fall through the crack somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. So his idea was like, what if God is just like us? He's just a human being who has flaws and, and he created this planet and he's doesn't know how to run it and so the idea of the show is very much a satire of like a corporation versus like religion or anything Mm -hmm. so it's almost like if everything that happened on our planet was these people are just trying their best up there also but they Mm -hmm. have their own issues and stuff that gets in the way so yeah Yeah. it's like a really fun silly show yes the dynamic that you think of like oh heaven is perfect everything is flowing very well and then you're watching this and like (laughs) it's not that you you don't want to be angry but it's like wait what is going on like this shouldn't be happening I know, but that's stuff that happens on our planet all the time yeah. too, and you kind of get frustrated. You don't have, we don't have answers for it, and so that's his kind of version of that is just this w- crazy world that he's created where God is a CEO and <laughs> and stuff like that. So yeah, it's really fun. It was a lot of fun to make this show. I was yeah. gonna say the dynamic. Obviously, you have you, you have Steve Buscemi, Daniel Radcliffe is in it. Crazy, that's crazy. <laughs> I'm a big Harry Potter fan. So. Yeah, I saw there was a photo uh, on your Instagram, I think, of you oh, yeah. wearing yeah. a Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have so much Harry Potter. I have, like, wands. I have Hermione's wand that I spend way too much money on. I mean, I have all this stuff. Yeah, I grew up loving the books, first and Mm -hmm. foremost. Like, they're huge in India, as they are, I'm sure, everywhere around the world. And everyone in my class was reading. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. It, I got into the books like after the third or fourth book had been published and just like powered through it. And it's actually the first thing I read for pleasure because everything I didn't like reading mm-hmm. before that, mm-hmm. which I think is also true of a lot of Harry Potter fans. Um because I had to do reading for school, and then I just never liked it. And then I read those books, and I began reading for fun through those books. And so they mean, like, a lot to me. And then, obviously, I've seen the movies many, many mm-hmm. times. So the fact that I got to work with him, and now I'm friends with him, it's very crazy. Did it's, that? Does yeah. that ever come up, like, when you, uh, like, idolize someone, and mm-hmm. then you work with him? Does he know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, And the good, great thing about him is that he's very open to talk about Harry Potter like, with anyone uh, and everyone, because he, he just has embraced that it's, like, so beloved. And so... I mean, I brought it up like the first day we started filming, and um, don't even try to play it cool. And, like, wait till day three, be like, yeah. by the way, I kind of watched the yeah, movies. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I brought it up, and then what was amazing was the movies had just come out on HBO Go or now, mm-hmm. and um, so every Sunday when we were filming in Atlanta, I watched a movie, and then on Monday I came in with a list of questions of how did you film this, and how did that happen, and how many days did that take, and and all these like kind of geeky movie questions, and he answered every single one, and he's never not. Really? And then he told me some like behind the scenes stuff. And so anyways, it was a true dream because he was completely willing to talk about it. And he always is willing to talk about it. So that's fantastic. That that's just great. And what is the dynamic like on set between everyone who is again, because this is such a a unique environment for a show uh, of it being heaven, but like embracing the flaws. Yeah. Um, the dynamic was just really fun because the show, the world of it is very, very fun. Um, and um, we kind of had this like absolutely amazing set that 
they put a lot of work into that they built. Mm-hmm. So we just got to go to this one place and like play all day and then leave every day. <laughs> so it was really, really fun. And we shot in Atlanta, so um, the food is really good there. We went out for all these like nice dinners, and and it was like a very dreamy situation where everyone got along great. So it's counting down now. So it was two weeks, and they even like the name of the episode. You're like two weeks, yeah. like thirteen days, twelve days, and then yeah. you now it's you six cut, days tomorrow. Six night. days, yeah, and then it's gonna get down to the minutes or hours or minutes. Yeah, I think. I, I think. <laughs> yeah, it gets down to the wire. Yeah. And the cool thing about it is limited series, so it's an anthology. So at the end of the season, the story is finished. So whatever, it's like you, there's no cliffhangers. It's like a very clean end to this particular story. So um, that's really satisfying, too. It's like a three-and-a-half-hour movie. So we had all the scripts before we started, so we kind of knew exactly you know, what the arc of all the characters was. And, and yeah, so it was really fun. The, your character in this is very similar, I think, to other characters that you played a little bit, you know, similar to, to Deadpool and other ones, where you're almost quirky and, like, you're bringing things up. Like, yeah. do you enjoy <laughs> that kind of character, or do you feel like that that's just one that you get cast to play? Uh, yeah, I enjoy that kind of stuff. Uh, anyone who's, like, a little bit weird and off is very mm-hmm. fun for me because I'm not like that in real life. So it's for I'm, like, very kind of organized and, like, nerdy. And so for me to get to, like, do something, like weird and characters that would make like risky decisions like being Deadpool's friend or Mm -hmm. like you know going against God or any of these things that's like (laughs) what I love about acting because I can pretend to do all these things but in real life I would never (laughs) other than the risk of being in this business I haven't really taken a lot of like huge risks Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not like investing in any startups (laughs) or anything so um, so yeah that's always like really fun and you you said that you have uh, some movie posters at your house from ones that you've been in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always try to keep movie posters from, like, studio movies that I've been in because um, I f- always feel like it's exciting. I, I That was something that I always kind of wanted in the beginning, but it seemed really impossible to get to be in, like, a big movie. And mm-hmm. so every time I do get cast in one, I feel like keeping a poster of it is just, like, a nice reminder to be, like, don't take this for granted. Like, there was a time when you thought you were never going to be in a big movie. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, it's that collection is slowly growing, so it's really and now you're in six movies this year. This year, six movies. Six. Yes, yes. So in April, I'm in this movie called Unicorn Store on Netflix that mm-hmm. Brie Larson directed. Um, I got to work with her and Bradley Whitford and Joan Cusack. It was amazing. Um, that comes out on Netflix. And then in May, I'm in Detective Pikachu with Ryan again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, I think, comes out May 10th. And then also another Netflix movie with Randall Park and uh, Ali Wong. That was mm-hmm. a romantic comedy that they wrote, which was really fun. Um, and then in June, I did a movie with Tiffany Haddish and Rose Byrne and Salma Hayek called uh, Limited Partners. That's from Paramount. That comes out June 28th. And then I had a movie at Sundance called Corporate Animals mm-hmm. with Demi Moore, Ed Helms, Jessica Williams. That comes out sometime in the summer, too. We just sold, so they're trying to figure out the releasing, but sometime in the summer. And then I did a movie with Melissa McCarthy called Super Intelligence for Warner Brothers that her husband directed. And I believe that's You were also fall. in the Ghostbusters. Yeah, I know. So I got to work with her again. Which is was, that nice with me working with her again or like working with Ryan again? Is it is it a different dynamic of being with them on a different set? Um, I'm still starstruck. <laughs> <laughs> So I was still starstruck, and I still get, for like maybe five minutes, I'll be like, oh, this is fine. And then I'll be like, this is really crazy. Uh, I still, because they were just, I, I, I admire like their talent a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm always just in awe of when they start working. I'm just like, they're really good at what they do. So mm-hmm. it's always like nice, yeah. Are you trying to pick things up from them? Or, be a, you, you know, you ask a lot of questions to, to Daniel about Harry Potter, but are yeah. you trying to pick things up? acting wise from them or whether that's just looking or whether that's yeah it's more just looking because 
it's really hard because I, I feel very awkward like bringing up like talking about acting because I don't really like talking about it because it's very personal for everyone like what mm-hmm. you kind of do and what you connect with but it's more so just little things like I try to pick up like how they treat people because I think if people are working a lot you just see these common traits that they're kind to the crew and, and they are prepared mm-hmm. and all of those things which you just try to keep reminding yourself no matter how successful you are that you still do work and like yeah. come in and you be still put nice. your pants on one leg at a time yeah exactly so it's more so just like work ethic stuff than um like specific like how do you learn your lines or anything but <laughs> um i did help not to brag but i did help daniel a little bit on our show he taught me a red carpet pose because <laughs> i'm i'm very uncomfortable still doing that stuff um, which is the broken finger, which when you're standing, just do like this. Cause I never know what to do with my hands. So you just hold your finger like this and you'll see he does it. Sorry, Daniel. He does it in every photo. It's broken finger or like just kind of hold your hand like this. And it really works for guys. Um, and then, have you used it? Since? Oh yeah. There's like... a lot of broken fingers since <laughs> you can track it from when I feel miracle workers to all my broken finger situation or just my hand. I'm just doing yeah. holding fingers and hands. Um, and then I taught him a little drunk acting trick that someone else taught me. But there's episode five, I think. His character has to be, like, completely drunk. Like, God comes up with a new cocktail for his restaurant mm-hmm. on the show, yep. which is a crazy sentence. Um, but he wants, he calls them shock tales because you're shocked by how much alcohol is in them. And, and Daniel's character just ends up drinking all three that were meant for me, Geraldine, and him. And he just progressively gets drunker because he's very nervous. And... So he had to be, like, really, really drunk, and, and it's really hard to, you know, play drunk. And yep. and so one of the tricks that someone had taught me, but it's kind of an acting thing that I'm surprised he didn't hadn't heard of, is you just, um, as they're rolling and they haven't said action, you just spin in a circle really fast in the same spot. And then as soon as they say action, you stop. So you've done it for about 20 to 30 seconds, and you honestly feel completely drunk. Like, you're just, you can't. Your you're body dizzy. You're yeah, so just, like, naturally, you just get into, like, physically, like, what it's like to be drunk. So he just did that for a whole week. <laughs> just <laughs> was spinning around. But it works. Yeah. Wow. And that's, I mean, it's incredible to be able to hear everything that you're doing right now. Uh, because oh, as we're going to talk about, like, where you came from, and you just, you literally picked it up picked up your life and moved halfway around the world yeah uh, i want to be able to shout out though first for people uh your, your social media uh at it's karen sony That's on instagram right. yeah. and on twitter and yeah. certainly again popcorn talk we're so grateful to be here at the popcorn talk on instagram and on twitter and at the only mc you can follow me and uh we're live here every single monday and we're also available on apple Podcasts wherever you get your podcast uh and we'd love to be able to have you rate it Give it five stars. Uh, put a comment on there. Be able to share it with your friends. We'll give it to you for free. We just want to be able to help inspire. You know, that's that's what it's all about. We want to be able to inspire, be able to encourage. So go out, be able to be that blessing. But getting, you know, to, to look at where you came from. You grew up in New Delhi. That's right. Yeah, born and bred. And yeah. ever any thought that you would leave India when you were growing up? Uh, yeah, to, it's kind of normal. Like, it's weird in India. The high schools are uh, very good. And okay. then the colleges are not as good. I feel like it's the opposite in America, where yep. like col- like high school is kind of iffy, but college is you know what you're mm-hmm. kind of aiming for. So there it's reverse for whatever reason. So a lot of Indian kids go to college in the UK or US uh, and then come back. And so 
I always kind of had a plan that I would go either to the UK or to the US. So I switched uh, to an international school in Delhi when I was a freshman in high school. And that was kind of always the plan, but never to come to LA or any of that stuff. Yeah. And you initially applied, I think, UC, uh, what was it? You I tried to, to get well, in. Well, yeah, I basically, um, uh, the my college advisor and my parents and everyone wanted me to go to, on the East Coast because the flight is shorter or mm-hmm. the flights are shorter. So it just felt like not as far away from from home. And 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 but then at the time the OC was on the air here, <laughs> but it didn't come on the air there. But we had the first two DVDs on a box set that would be passed around our high school, like you know the most sacred thing that mm-hmm. never was. And we had watched every episode over and over, and we're just fascinated by Orange County in this world and yeah. California. And so I just decided to apply to a bunch of California schools and. And I secretly really wanted to go to UC Irvine because on Google Maps, it was by Newport Beach, which if you know the show, I mean, truly, I just wanted to go to Newport Beach. And so I didn't get in because because they're state schools. They take very few international yeah. students, but my grades were really good. But then I ended up getting into USC, which is where I went. And Which is like if anyone in the U.S. would be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> didn't get into Irvine, but got into USC, I, I know, suppose. I know. And I, at the time, I was like, damn, this sucks. And then the first week I got to USC, people were like, you know who Josh Schwartz is, right? He's like the creator. He went to USC. And, and I was like, oh. And they were like, you know, they filmed in Manhattan Beach. They didn't actually, there's nothing films. And I was like, Manhattan Beach, that's in L.A. And then actually season three or four, when some character goes to Brown. Brown USC was Brown on the show because yeah. they filmed it in LA. So it was just like all, I would recognized all the, the locations and you know. So it was it, meant it, to be. Yeah, it, it, I was happy after that week of realizing that um, I was pretty close to the OC. But like you, you didn't even want to act in high school. Uh, no. Yeah. It was just you, you were not uh, as good at science. Yeah, that's right. Wow. It's, I guess I've been talking about this. Um, yeah, my school uh, required us to take like a science course and. And arts was a part of it also. But if you didn't want to take arts, you could double up on science. So, like, every Indian kid, like, our parents were like, you're not going to take an art class. So they were like, you take, you know, another science or whatever. So I was doing chemistry and physics, I think, and I was doing really badly in chemistry. And then my teacher just, you know, brought my parents in and was like, listen, it's not meant for him. Like, his entire GPA is going to go down. So they were like, this, he really needs to not take a second science class. So I switched to drama, which was the only thing that would fit in my schedule. But at the time, I was getting bullied a lot um, in the school, and I didn't have any friends. And all the popular guys who bullied me, their girlfriends were in the drama class. So I was just terrified of these people in general. Um, And so I was just in this class with, like, these three stoner guys and then these 12 girls that all wanted to go to Bollywood and were, like, all about acting. And and so I did this for a year and a half, and at the end of the year and a half, you have to put up a play as part of the 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 course and the play gets sent to England to be judged and it's like 50% of your uh, your grade and um, a cast list just came out we didn't have to audition and I got the lead <laughs> because <laughs> out of the four guys I was like the nerdiest one so she was the teacher was like at least I know you can learn these lines because it was a mm-hmm. lot of lines and I went up to her and I was like I, I don't want to do this just give me like one of the side parts and she was like I can't have a play with all these male characters and not have one of the men in my class like play one of them <laughs> I can't have every woman cross dress in the show and so I was like okay I guess I'm doing this and then I kind of got thrust into it and after that play happened um, all the popular kids came to see it because their girlfriends were in it and then they became friends with me because they thought I was funny in it and I didn't even know what I was doing to be funny but they were like you're funny so they were like you're cool now and so then I just kept doing theater in school just to survive because Mm -hmm. I didn't play sports did you enjoy it? I was always stressed 
kind of doing it. But then, to be honest, I enjoyed the attention after because I it it made me like uh, stay cool <laughs> because otherwise I was just getting bullied. So it means would, to an end. Yeah. So they were just like, "When's your next show, bro?" And I'd be like, "Damn it, I have to do another one. Like, I can't. We just live off my last performance, which we talked about for thirty minutes. Um, so it was just more so I was just like doing it to kind of stay afloat. And then I never really thought about it as a career or anything. And then. When I came to college, I was going to study business, and then um, I just got really, like, I just wasn't enjoying any of my classes, and people kept saying it was because I was homesick, and I was like, no, LA's awesome, <laughs> USC <laughs> is so cool, this place is amazing, I was like, it's not that, and then I think people were like, maybe you need to take, like, an elective, and I didn't know what that was, because we don't mm-hmm. have that in Indian schools, and they're like, you can take a class for fun, so I took drama 101 or whatever it was called, and and right away I made friends instantly. Like I was having a really hard time making friends in my other classes, and and I just got along with everyone. And I was like, oh no, I think this is more than like a hobby or whatever I thought it was. Was it really? Oh no. Yeah, because I was like, how am I going to explain this to my parents? It doesn't fit as part of this master plan of me being like a CEO someday, or I don't know what they wanted me to do. So it became this whole thing of I was like I had this whole life plan and now I have to I've seen another side and mm-hmm. I have to now somehow go back or move forward or I didn't know what to do so how did they react um well did you they, tell them over the phone or did you wait in no, person I, I waited because I didn't have to declare a major until my sophomore end of sophomore year so I just kept taking drama classes as electives and then um, you know, eventually my advisor was at USC was like, you have to declare this as your major otherwise, or a minor or something, otherwise mm-hmm. this is all gone to waste if you don't, you know, get credit for it. And so uh, that's when I had to have the conversation with my parents. And they were, uh, like, I think concerned, but not, like, in a horrible way. They weren't, like, absolutely not will disown you, but but they were just like, how much does this pay? <laughs> <laughs> And I think that was, like, the best thing they could have, the best reaction, because up until that point, I was just, like, living in a bubble, kind of, and I mm-hmm. didn't really know what the practical side is of, like, wanting to pursue, like, a career in entertainment, and, and it really forced me to be like, you know what, let me do some research, and I'll come back to you, and I'll show you that I can, you know, maybe do this as, like, a living, and then... At the time, a lot of child actors went to USC who decided to take a break and then go to college. And so I just interviewed a bunch of my friends, and I was like, tell me everything. Like, how do you pay your bills? Like, how does SAG work? All mm-hmm. this stuff. So I, over one summer, just, like, educated myself on all of that and ended up doing a send-out and sending my headshot to, like, hundreds of agents, and one person signed me. And, and so I went back to my parents, and I'm like, I have an agent. I know, like, I'm going to start going on auditions while I'm still in school. So I had two years uh, left of school. And I was like, I'm going to you know, start, like, trying to get a paycheck before. That was my goal, to get, Mm -hmm. like, a paycheck before I graduated so I could show them that Mm -hmm. I have, like, some money that I made. And so that kind of, it was good because that reaction forced me to not just be in this, like, college, like, blissful ignorance Mm -hmm. bubble of, like, just being creative and cool but also, like, a little bit practical. So, Was it easier, harder? What were your expectations of trying to land It was a lot harder because everyone kept saying that you'll get rejected and this and that, and, and I was completely, like... Everyone, I think, goes, like, whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? But secretly, Everyone else will get rejected. Yeah, and inside you kind of feel like you're like, but I'll be the one who <laughs> won't get rejected. So then, you know, when that starts, stuff starts happening, it just, over time, it just really affects you because I didn't get my first job until a year and a half of auditioning once a week minimum. So wow. let's say, like, 70 auditions. I maybe didn't, I, so at a certain point I was missing classes it was a really, really weird time because I was missing classes. My grades were going down. All my friends in college were just committing to being in school. They didn't really have agents. So 
So they would always like help me run lines and they'd be like, you have another audition this week. They're like, another one you didn't get. And, and I, it just didn't really help because, you know, they weren't mm. trying themselves, but I was the one example for everyone and I was failing constantly. So I kind of felt like I don't even deserve to be going on auditions because I'm doing so badly. And, and I really thought my agent was just going to drop me because I just kept not getting anything. Mm-hmm. And then I finally got a job, which was a TV movie for MTV called Worst Prom Ever. And everyone kept saying that when you get when you work, it's worth it. Like all the rejection and everything is worth mm-hmm. it because like you get to like work and it's amazing. And and this job ended up being like a horrible nightmare. It was it was filming in New Orleans, and at the time, my agent because I hadn't booked anything, he hi- he booked me as a local hire, which basically means, means that... Means you have to front everything. Yeah, I have to pay for the flight and the hotel, and because my role wasn't big enough and the budget wasn't there for them to fly me, but they really liked me. So, like, if he's willing to work, you know, by flying himself out and staying, you know, in a motel, <laughs> then we'll pay him the $500 a day for three days to do this part or whatever. And so I didn't know any of that because they didn't really teach us in college. So he just said, you book this job, here's, the fl- here's like, some flights you can book, and here's a hotel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, great, that makes sense. Yeah. I have to fly myself out to go to work or whatever. And so I just went to this thing, and the entire thing was three night shoots, which I didn't know what a night shoot was. I'm, like, a morning person. Mm-hmm. So for me to stay up all night, that's, like, still a problem. Um, so I had a 5 p.m. call. The first night I stayed there till four in the morning and they didn't use me um and i had a this was 2009 i had a flip phone no ipads weren't a thing so i didn't bring a book because i thought i'm going to work yeah i don't need all this and i was in a honey wagon which is the smallest trailer you can have <laughs> and mine was next to the porta potty so it smelled like shit the entire <laughs> night and i didn't go to sleep because i was like i have to be alert you for never work. know you never know so i stayed up all night and that morning i didn't you know woke up early because i was like had nerves and so i basically stayed up for 24 hours and was miserable and didn't work Second night, I was there again from 5 to maybe 5 in the morning. They didn't use me. And then third night, I was there from 5 p.m. And then maybe at 1 in the morning, they knocked on my door and they shot all my stuff in 45 minutes because I wasn't an important part of it. And and so it didn't feel satisfying. I got one take per scene or setup or whatever. And I left and I was kind of like, it's really not worth it (laughs) if this is what it is. And I'd missed my midterms to do this movie, and and the whole thing had just messed up my college thing. So, so basically, I was I was kind of getting ready to quit before graduating college because I I honestly thought I was it was too much, like mm-hmm. it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. What do you tell yourself? You know, you said you went on like seventy auditions, and it was mm-hmm. like nothing. What do you tell yourself after like audition ten or fifteen or twenty? Like, what keeps um, you going? <laughs> I honestly, I think in those beginning times, it was because that stuff keeps changing, like the motivation to keep mm-hmm. getting rejected. But in the beginning, it honestly was just, I was just so excited that an agent wanted to work with me that I was like, I will make sure I'm on time and I'll know all the lines and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And, and you know, I cried in my car a bunch and like you do all this stuff, but then you just like push it aside and you're like, whatever, at least I have like this opportunity or whatever and you're just really kind of like going for it but it was really after doing that first job that I couldn't get muster up the the courage to get rejected over and over I was getting very jaded because it just didn't feel worth it because that experience was kind of horrible and so how long were you auditioning after that role until you got your next one one? yeah so that was kind of divine intervention whatever you want to call it because I was ready to quit um 
after graduating, I was going to call my agent and be like, you know what, I'm, I'm really done. I, I'm going to mm-hmm. try to get like, because I was interning over the summers at like a film production company and, and I thought I would still be in the business, but I would just be on behind the scenes because mm-hmm. I just loved the like movies and TV so mm-hmm. much. And I was like, that's even a dream life. Like, you know what I mean? To even be mm-hmm. in it in any way. And they had kind of uh, kind of softly offered me like a full-time assistant position at this like very small production company. So I was like, this will be great. My parents will come for graduation. I'll give them the best gift, which is that I'm quitting this mm-hmm. crazy thing. And, I'm, and uh, I have a job. A nine-to-five like job or whatever. And so that was like in my head the plan. Um, but, you know, I was just going to tell my agent when I graduated in May. And he was still sending me auditions. I was still getting rejected kind of week after week. And then there was this one movie, Safety Not Guaranteed, which was like my next job that I went in for maybe five times. And so four times, you know, I just kept going for these callbacks and they just weren't like picking me. And then I had this one final audition about three days before we had to start filming this movie, which was like really crazy. And um, I got it finally after like five auditions. And that was the movie was filming like the first week of May in Seattle. Mm -hmm. So I had to leave college to go film this movie. So you know, I turned it down <laughs> because in my head I was like, I'm done. Like, this is like yeah, this, this is crazy not it. thing. And then the director had to call me and be like, this is a huge mistake. Like, don't do this. So then he convinced me. And, and then I basically, it was like the universe was like, make a decision. Like, either you're going to graduate in two weeks or you're going to leave for a month and film this independent movie that no one's maybe going to see. And then you've just thrown aside like all these kind of plans that you had. So I just kind of went with that thing of filming this movie and and luckily that movie went to Sundance and it became like a big thing there and it came yeah that was your, I mean that was your breakout with you had Aubrey Plaza you had Jake right. Johnson yeah. in there Mark Duplass yeah yeah we were like all still my friends and and yeah so it was it ended up being like what a rare experience because I've done so many independent movies since then that are pretty bad because you just don't no one tries to make mm-hmm. a bad movie but they just sometimes don't end up as like that's still one of my favorite things that I've ever been in mm-hmm. and it was just luck it was just random luck that that one ended up being a special project because there's so many smaller movies that get made and for whatever reason they don't turn out that good so um so yeah that kind of was like uh, my whole plan was to be done in in two weeks literally yeah. and then this thing came up and and it because it was in seattle i had to leave everything and go do this thing and and i just made the decision to like take that leap and that's obviously catapulted you into doing you know countless projects like we talked about at the start yeah do you ever look at like what would have happened if you didn't take this of like you maybe still gone the production route yeah but how would that have played out do you think I don't know. I don't think I would have been as happy as I am doing this because this is kind of the thing that does make me the happiest. Um, and what's cool about acting is that you, I can still go down the production site later mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to act for the rest of my life because now I have so much experience on set and I read so many scripts and, and I just have all this kind of knowledge that I can, you know, I would love to produce someday and do all that kind of stuff. So what's cool about acting is that those doors are still open versus if I think I would have gone into production and then missed this life, then I would have maybe missed a lot of these pivotal years where you can work a lot and stuff. So, so I feel, you know, I mean, it's every time I'm like doubting it still, I remember like that moment that was so clear that if I didn't have that opportunity, I would have not been doing any of Mm -hmm. this stuff. So, and you just think like, you don't know what could happen in two weeks. Yeah, it's really yeah crazy. <laughs> yeah. What do your parents say now? They're super uh, supportive now. Like maybe <laughs> <Nah>. a little bit. <laughs> 
Maybe a little bit too supportive. Um, no, they they are just like the you know what you would ideally want, which is like anyone they meet on a plane. I mean, I, the the recurring stories on Twitter, people will just be like sitting next to your mom on the plane. She's really proud of you. Just some random stranger, because my mom will just lean in and be like, "Do you know what Deadpool is?" And they'll be like, "Yeah." And they'll be like my son is in Deadpool, and they'll be like, "What?" And they don't believe her. Then she has to pull up these photos and. It's just a whole thing. Like she just loves to do it, but but it's great because it's it's. I'd much rather have that than not have their support. But yeah, every every movie that I'm in that comes out or whatever it is, they they take like twenty five thirty people in their town to the theater. Wow. They buy out whatever as many seats as they can, and and they're very supportive of that's all that fantastic. stuff. Yeah, so it's great. That's awesome. That is yeah, it's incredible. What is what is the? Do you have a thing for like every role that you get of how you approach it, or do you approach it differently, or are there some things where you're like, all right. Here's my checklist, whether it's mentally or physically, of like, yeah. you do this, and do this, and do this. Yeah, it's mainly, uh, it's kind of a little bit different for each thing, but but mainly, um, I just, it's very boring, but it's just reading the script over and over again, and then each time I read it, I make notes in the margins, and that's basically any idea or something that pops up in my head that relates to my life mm-hmm. or something else to make the character more personal. I'll write it in there, and then ideally what happens if you keep doing that is by the time you actually film the scene um you take your actual script there and it's just got scribbles all over it and sometimes you're in the middle of a scene and you're kind of in your head and and i just look at the thing and i'm like oh yeah like that idea i had and i'll just try something weird and different and then suddenly someone will be like that's horrible or they'll be like what's that and i'm like i don't know what about this and then the scene just goes in a different direction or you know you just go back in your lane and so it's just something to like get me out of my head and and so i just read stuff over and over again because sometimes like things pop up at you and with something like miracle workers uh the creator was there every day that we filmed which is really Mm -hmm. rare the writer so um we just had the in-depth discussion with him about it and and this show is kind of loosely based on snl so god Mm -hmm. is almost like lauren michaels a little Mm -hmm. bit Uh, my character would be like the head writer at snl Mm -hmm. and so yorma who directed the first two episodes is from lonely island so he worked in snl for five years or more simon did for five six years so anytime i'd be like i'm a little bit confused about they'd be like at snl this is what this (laughs) and i'd be like oh that makes sense to me because this is a made-up world so they'd be like oh snl oh gotcha so that would kind of be like this moment here okay gotcha so it's different for everything. That project, it was great to have you know them there. And anytime I was a little bit confused, they'd be like, you know, when the head writer goes up to Lauren and asks in this way, that's how the attitude is. And you're like, oh, I can get that then. Like, I see what I'm trying to do here. So with this project, though, that was something that was, like, recurring that was interesting. You know, Miracle Workers and a lot of the other projects are very much uh, have an element of comedy. Mm-hmm. Do you just like doing comedy? Or is there, do yeah. you like to do other genres yeah it's um well first of all the comedy thing i think has followed me i didn't think i was funny or anything but it was that first play that i did in india which you know i was just doing it like thought i was doing a good drama Mm -hmm. job or whatever and they were just laughing at me so when that started happening i was like well i'm just gonna i guess lean into this because it's just coming naturally so i don't want to like push it away and now it's something that i really enjoy being in comedies because one, as cliche as it sounds, it honestly is the best job, I think even better than drama, because if you're having fun in front of the camera, so at work, that means you're doing a great job. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's a dream, like to just go and like make people laugh at work and just like the atmosphere is really fun and light and 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 it's just the best. And so I like that. And then the other aspect of it that I really like is when people kind of come up to you about like comedy stuff. A lot of times it's they were like, I was going through this weird thing and I this thing really helped me or watching this really made me feel good. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Like, I like mm-hmm. that it's spreading something positive. Uh, 
out there, uh, and so I really enjoy doing them. I've done like drama here and there, and I like doing that too. But if I had to pick one, I would definitely pick I, the fact that I prefer comedy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. I'm sure on set there's sometimes where you have to like, hold in the laughter, and then it's like, all right, and cut, and then yeah, everyone's able to just. Whew. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty good at doing that, but then once in a while I'll work with someone like I just did this movie with Tiffany Haddish and I think she's truly like one of the funniest people. She's and, hilarious. And it was really hard to not <laughs> just because she's just was really funny. But normally I pride myself on not breaking because it's ruining a take kind of. But but yeah, there was like a day on this movie that was me and Rose Byrne and honestly this thing should have taken like two hours to film and it took like six hours. <laughs> and it was just Tiffany doing this stuff, and and we on me and Rose would just make eye contact, and it would just lose it. And but luckily they didn't get mad at us. But <laughs> it was getting to the point that was getting a little annoying how much yeah. we were laughing. But usually I'm pretty good about that stuff. Yeah. And even hearing you say, I'm sure for yourself of thinking like I just did something with Tiffany Haddish. Yeah. I did something with yeah. Ryan Reynolds. I did something yeah. with Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. yeah. How have your dreams of, like, what you want to work on, what you want to accomplish in acting, how have they changed over the past seven years since you started when it yeah. was like, oh, I'll, I'll take anything. Right. To now you're doing that and, like, you're setting your sights to something else. Yeah. I th- I'm actually just turned 30 this year, so I'm thinking more about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. In my 20s, I was very much like what you said. I just wanted to work as much as possible just because I wanted to learn as much and then get a gauge of what I liked and what I didn't like. So I tried everything. Mm -hmm. And then now the thing that excites me most of any, most of all is just uh, who I get to work with because the hours are really long and, and it's just really cool to get to work with these people who are so kind of made for this. Mm -hmm. So all these projects I've gotten to work with all these people, that was kind of a big draw of being in something like that is just to what is it like to work with Tiffany Haddish and share screen with her and all that that kind of stuff. And so that's always like a, a really exciting thing. But as I'm doing it more and more, I'm writing my own stuff as well. And I'm excited for to like work more on getting that stuff made uh, mm-hmm. and um, and it, with that stuff it's more just more Indian based stories versus like a lot of these things um, it's great but I was just an actor that was cast in like a part because I came in to audition and they liked me or whatever and versus like a specifically Indian story or something like mm-hmm. that which is what I'm excited to kind of work on myself. I feel like acting more than anything else is a long game because you never yeah. know uh, I mean how something could play out yeah, <laughs> uh, you're you're waiting for that role and that role, and you're building your credit and you're building that foundation. Yeah, do you see it that way? Of you, you're playing the long game, and it's not yeah. like well didn't get a big part this year like oh yeah you kind of have to do that I think because it can be pretty um, otherwise it's, it can be pretty depressing <laughs> um, because it's also hard because you living in LA at least which is where I live you're just constantly surrounded by other people's success also mm-hmm. so a lot of billboards I drive by I'm like oh yeah I was up for that or I auditioned five times for that movie and, and now I have to see a billboard in front of my house of this movie that I didn't get so mm-hmm. you just have to keep kind of reminding yourself that whatever you got you got and you should be you know kind of that was the one that was meant to happen yeah. and so yeah there's a reason that you didn't get yeah and, and so that's that's always and, and I think what helps is like the more as the years have gone on luckily I've just kept working so it's always nice when I'm like oh I have five movies or these many things that I made that are coming out and, and so I feel you know like at ease but there's every moments when I'm like am I doing enough and <laughs> what am I doing and should I quit I still have that all the time you still have that yeah, yeah, especially now that I'm 30, <laughs> which is not, I know, that old, but I just weirdly, I'm like, am I still am I still doing this? Okay, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm still doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have to, like, remind myself. Is yeah. it usually that short of a conversation? 
Um, no. <laughs> uh, no, no. It is a, it's not like a whole day thing, but mm-hmm. I do sometimes have like, yeah, it's uh, when I'm sitting in traffic sometimes mm-hmm. and I'm just like, and I've just been told that I didn't get something that I really wanted or, or that it went uh, to someone else without them auditioning or something that I'm like, okay, this is a little bit, it's coming back. The feelings are coming back. But, um, but yeah, so far I'm have no plans of quitting. So that's good. Yeah. Cause you're, you're good at what you do. <laughs> Thank you. What drives you now of, like, looking at being like, this is this is my motivation? Yeah. Um, what drives me is actually something that changed after Deadpool, uh, to be honest, because um, I, when we made that movie, like, no one really thought it was going to be that successful, I mean, mm-hmm. at all. Like, they didn't really spend a lot of money on it, all this mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and so then, running joke partly in the movie. Yeah, I know. It's hilarious. Well, I mean, it was really, they really didn't give us any money. So... Um, <laughs> So that when that became like this big thing or whatever, um, uh, out of the woodwork, kind of a lot of like Indian people started reaching out to me um, from India and from all over the world and and um, about how excited they were to see someone like them in like a big movie or something. So now a lot of the motivation I have is just honestly to make sure that they're proud of whatever stuff that I do uh, because um, they're just like paying attention to it now. So So I feel like you know, always, like, I'll ask myself that question, like, is this something that, you know, they'd be like, oh, cool, like, he took that job, like, that's a good mm-hmm. one or whatever. So so that's something that I'm, you know, t- to open that door for anyone else who wants to do this or whatever, to see mm-hmm. someone in, like, these things, it's, like, a big, big motivation. Did you ever think Bollywood? No, because um, Bollywood, because I grew up only watching Bollywood, I didn't really watch any Hollywood, mm-hmm. and Bollywood is very different from Hollywood. Um, it's very nepotism based. Mm-hmm. Every actor's son or daughter becomes an actor and gets offered a giant studio movie to start. And it's very much like the the very. It's very hard to break in unless you you know are someone from like a big movie family, mm-hmm. and it's kind of very much like that. So I never even thought it was a possibility at all to kind of do that. And I love working in TV here. I think TV is mm-hmm. like awesome, and for a working actor, it's such a steady job. Um, and uh, TV in India is almost all soap operas and reality TV. There's no single camera comedy or drama or anything. It's just all soap operas, and they air during prime time. You could be on, like, the OC for India. Yeah, but the OC, it's not not a soap opera. I mean, it's, <laughs> like, straight up there like telenovelas. <laughs> so I really don't think I could do that. But, um, but yeah, maybe I, I really do want to work in India, like, film a Hollywood movie there because mm-hmm. um, it's, like, you know where I spend most of my life, but the opportunity hasn't come yet. But um, that's something that definitely is on the bucket list to like because now I love this job so much. I would love to see what it's like doing it over there, mm-hmm. like work with the Indian crew and all that kind of stuff, and just even see that many Indian people on the set. I've never can't imagine it because <laughs> it's not what it's like now. So um, that would be cool, but yeah, not Bollywood specifically. Yeah, who did you look up to? Who do you still look up to in the industry of actors? Well, I mean, to be honest, when I was uh, in India, the only actor was Cal Penn that I knew of. And, Mm. I mean, there was no one else. I came here when I was in 2007 to go to college, and I specifically remember a poster of Aziz Ansari in the quad because he was about to host the MTV Movie Awards Mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. And there was a poster of him, and I honestly was shocked because I'm like, there's another person. Who is this other? I honestly was like, who is this? And, And so I didn't really have, you know, very many... Uh, people to kind of look up to, which that's changed so much, which is so cool. But um, so that was kind of the only person that I knew that was in Hollywood. Um, But now I look up to Steve Carell is one of my favorite people because I feel like he kind of 
does a little bit of everything and also mm-hmm. from everyone that I've heard of like has a reputation of just kind of being like the nicest kindest person which I'm thing. like a big fan of all that stuff so um, so yeah I just love how he kind of can go into any genre and everyone believes him and it's mm-hmm. fine and he can do whatever he wants and so um, yeah he's someone that I'm like dying to work with and, and I just think he's like so cool have you met him or Cal or uh, Aziz I have met Aziz and Cal Cal Pan and I maybe like spoke on Twitter or Instagram or something, but we've never met. But we're actually on an animated show now together for Disney Channel um, that has like an all brown cast, which comes out in 2020. Um, and he's one of the regulars. I'm like a guest uh, recurring person on it, but we never record together. But I'm hoping mm. that when there's a premiere or something, there's got to be a carpet or something. Yeah, in 2020, that I'll get to meet him. But um, yeah, that I haven't, and I've never met Steve Carell, but yeah. <laughs> Someday. Someday. What advice do you have for? the young people out there or people who are, whether you're young or old or just starting, yeah, you know, trying to break into the industry or, you know, yeah. realizing that, you know, your parents might want you to do one thing. You want to do something else or yeah. just the, the difficult journey. What advice do you have? So on, honestly, I don't have a lot of advice on the parents thing. Cause if mine were not supportive, I, I honestly think I was too much of a wimp to have gone against their will. So I think someone else should answer that who did that. But in terms of the other thing, I would just say in the beginning, especially just kind of say yes to as many things as you can, uh, as long as you're being safe and it's like, you know, all that stuff Mm -hmm. is taken care of. But like, don't say no to opportunities because you're not going to really get paid to act for a long time. So it's just kind of good to just do it as much as you can and get as much practice as you can. And that way you kind of learn like, you know, your stuff. And later in your career, as you keep going, you have to say no kind of a lot more because the stakes are different. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can't just take every job. It's suddenly mm-hmm. you're thinking of a career. So you're going to have so much time to say no to things like later on that in the beginning, you really just enjoy the fact that there is no kind of attachments. There mm-hmm. is no awareness of who you are. There's no career to speak of. So you can just kind of play and like have fun and mm-hmm. just do kind of everything. So be exhausted. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And you never know, like, who you're working with, like, what they'll end up doing or whatever. So the more you kind of say yes. And then, and the thing is, like, yeah, as you keep going, like, the more successful you get, the, the more you have to be convinced to say yes to something. <laughs> so you're going to have so much time to, like, say no to stuff later that I think it's, it's good to kind of play around as much as you can in the beginning. My final question, which is the question that I, I love asking uh, to people, is take your life and look 40, 50, 60, 70 years in the future. And people are watching your projects uh-huh. and saying, oh, man, like, yeah, I loved Karin. He was great. Oh, man. He, what do you want people to say about your work and about your life? Like one or two things mm. that they look back and they're like, oh, yeah, he was blank. He was blank. Interesting. That's really hard. Um I would just say that uh, for me, it's just that they, whatever they see, like, made them happy in some way. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just my kind of biggest thing is, like, it made them, like, laugh or or happy in any kind of way and made them kind of feel good. Um, Like, I'm all about, like, spreading kind of niceness or whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, that would be, like, a big thing. Like, if anything, like, they watched it and they were just like, oh, I had, like, like, have a smile on their face. That would be great. Mm. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's what this show is all about. So I appreciate you coming on and joining us. Thanks. Guys, thank you, everyone who's watching, guys who are listening. Again, we are available uh, every Monday here live on the Popcorn Talk. And we are also available wherever you get your podcasts. You can find that. Be able to just spread some motivation, spread some information. Because, again, that person that you're putting up there on the top of the totem pole, they were you. 
They were you once. They were struggling. They were hitting their head against the wall trying to figure out how they're going to break through. And guess what? The only thing that separates them and you, they kept going. So you can keep going to accomplish your dreams, accomplish that thing that's in front of you that maybe is a challenge. And that's all it is. Again, you can reach out and follow Karin on social media at It's Karin Sony. You can follow me at The Only MC. Again, we're grateful to be here on the Popcorn Talk at The Popcorn Talk on Instagram and on Twitter. And of course, check out Miracle Workers yes. every single Tuesday. This show, I'm telling you, this show is hilarious. <laughs> it's fantastic. I enjoy it. I know you're going to enjoy it too. We uh, have so many more amazing guests coming up. Season 5. It's incredible. We are just getting started. Until next time. We'll see you then. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. Views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.